whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store. We've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Thank you for joining us on this Saturday morning. Beautiful weather up and down the Wasatch Front. Hope you all are doing fantastic, even if you're listening to us somewhere else outside of Utah on our app. The Saturday show is proudly presented by our friends at Mountain Land Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. I'm Jake Hatch. Uh, Thank you for taking some time to join us here. And uh, we usually do our five minutes of segment at 1130. That's uh, where we kind of hit some of the other topics we haven't had a chance to hit on on today's show. But we are going to be joined by Andy Bailey from Bleach Report in our next segment. So we're going to move up five minutes of now to right this moment. And let's start it off with one of our oldies but goodies, our good friend Saki. <laughs> for Lucas Vasquez and Vapes through oh magnificent beyond magnificent utterly explosive a physical phenomenon in stoppage time Kylian Mbappe has made it happen all by himself Petrie was headed for the bench but he'll grab the puck Jeff Petrie to the circle some of the highlights from the week in both hockey and soccer. We mash them up here and talk about both in this little segment. Let's start off on the soccer front. Uh, and Jeff, you and I are both guys who enjoy watching Real Salt Lake play. Uh, they announced- We're not enjoying sometimes. <laughs> sure, at times, yeah, I would imagine that. Sorry, uh, that was really cynical. I, I digress. No, but you, you have a good point there. But uh, they announced their new, I guess, Primary jersey is the way I call it. It used to be home and away jerseys, but now you have a primary and a secondary kit. Uh, in, and a third kit. Uh, do they have a third now? They used to have Some the, do. They used to have the victory goal, but that has been long since retired. I'm 
dream of the day that the victory gold makes it it makes its illustrious return uh, to the RSL franchise. But they announced what they called the Believe Kit. Uh, it's a harken back to 09, obviously playing paying homage to the battle hymn uh, that was written by Brandon Steinekert of Rancid. Uh, your overall thoughts on the new kit for Real Salt Lake? I'm gonna say clean. Okay, it is clean. A good word for it. I like. It's, I like it's not it's too got... flashy. Mm-hmm. It's it's simple yet satisfying. Sure, I, I'm with you on that. I like the fact that it mixes both the claret and the cobalt, the red and blue uh, color scheme. They'll be wearing the blue shorts with it. Uh, I I really thought it was actually really cool. Uh, a lot of major league soccer teams announcing new kits all this week. Uh, just, Some of the kits have just been beautiful. I'm going to get slaughtered by RSL fans for saying this, uh-oh. but Portland's new kit is Tread lightly, so, sir. Sir! So good. Watch yourself, it's sir. It's so good. Watch yourself. That, that That's that's heresy over here. It's, Con- it's beautiful. Especially considering RSL and Portland square off tonight. Yeah, well, the, the kit's beautiful, and I, I would like to say this for people that don't know. Mm-hmm. The Thorns, the NWSL team for Portland did it first. They're, they have basically the same kit, but it's black and red instead of pinkish and they're both beautiful but i would like to say the the women did it first yeah if you want to watch rsl in their final preseason actions tonight six o'clock you can find it on kslsports.com streaming live there also rsl announced the signing of a new center back johan keppelhoff uh, coming over from the Chicago Fire, he was a free agent. He's 31. Uh, actually has an all-star appearance in 2017 for the Chicago Fire. So a little intriguing. Uh, he is the second uh, Dutch national to have worn an RSL kit. He joins Rashid El Khalifi, who helped RSL win the 2009 MLS Cup, as the only two Dutchmen to have donned the claret and cobalt. Yeah, Kapelhoff, he's, I mean, like you said, he had an all-star appearance, so he's he's had his moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more depth than anything. Sure, yeah. um, I think he's someone that, say, if uh, Marcelo Silva goes down injured or gets a red card which he does sometimes that he's someone that might, that might come in um but yeah no i think it's i think it's good center back depth yeah they they've i think they've done a good job just trying to bolster their ranks uh we talked earlier on about this they've gone they went really heavy on the youth thing getting some veteran voices some veteran uh talent it's not a bad idea and yeah Kapelhoff, he'll obviously push Justin Glad and who you figure Marcelo Silva uh, to be that in that one-two tandem at center back. But at the same time, don't count out uh, guys like Zach Farnsworth or uh, Haciel Orozco. I've heard great things about Haciel Orozco. He's a youngster, but he's very, very talented. Yeah, I mean, RSL is all about the youngsters. That's mm-hmm. They're very much an academy team. A lot of people say that they're the best academy in, in the country, which I would tend to agree with. Um, and so there's no reason to think that the young guys aren't going to get their chances. Um Obviously, it's been a minute, but we haven't had Saturday show since. They mm-hmm. did fill a DP spot mm-hmm. um, with Cordova. Cordova, Sergio Cordova. Sergio Cordova. Um, who, he's interesting just FC because Augsburg. He's, you know, he's played in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a young guy, and um, you know, he's someone that if it does work, that he could, you know, he could stick around for a bit. Um, we'll uh, we'll see what happens, and I. <sighs> MLS is so close to coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's next. Is it next week? This time next week, we'll have this MLS action going on. Jeez, it's so. I feel like it's so early. Yeah, because we had CCL this week. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like RSL's not quite 
done. I feel like they're still trying to grab something. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. I, I think you got a good point there. And they, they will continue to do that. The nice part is with this new ownership group, uh, you have six European clubs who are now essentially sister clubs over Real Salt Lake. Uh, you could see some movement between those clubs. Yeah, well, I think we're... I think they're still looking for because Cordo's a forward. Yes, um, yeah. you know he's he's not a like for like replacement for Rusnak, mm-hmm. and and you could put Krylock in Rusnak's place, but I don't think he thrives there the most. I think a better option would be to have him kind of as a false nine back, slightly behind Cordova, and to have somebody else playing Rusnak's role, um, but. Who's to know what's to happen? And, yeah. and and but RSL's lineup is also good about being flexible. Um, you know, one of the great things, one of the things I love about Kralik is the fact that he can play mm-hmm. defensive midfielder, attacking midfielder, center forward. Like he he was he was brought in as a six, and he became like a false nine. It's a weird phenomenon. Yeah. Um, but you know, with with RSL's roster flexibility, I think that's one of their strengths. But I, I think they still have um, a move or two left to make before uh, before the season starts, or at least before signing deadline is over. Yeah, I, I would be I would agree with you on that. And they may push it all the way into the summer transfer window before they bring somebody in. But who knows? Uh, I think the good news is the long process of getting a new owner in place it's over and we're starting to see already the fruits of having an actual owner for Real Salt Lake. Alright, a couple of notes uh, by the way, uh, in terms of the new kits did you see Inter Miami lean into the pink? Yeah. Very cool. Very pink. Well, yes, but lean into it. If that's going to be one of your color scheme, lean into it. That's Embrace just it. Alright. Actually, I, we probably don't have time for this. I have a kind of a cool story about Miami, but I don't know if we have time for me to share it. What about I was there when they were constructing the stadium. Oh, all and right. so it was kind of cool to just be like, "Hey, I know that nobody cares about this picture I'm taking in front of a bunch of construction vehicles and whatnot." But to me, I'm just like to see an MLS stadium be built. I thought it was super cool. Yeah. So I kind of have this little twinge with Miami, where I'm like, "Yeah, I was there when the stadium was being built." All right, on the hockey front for a couple of moments here, uh, let's talk about uh, what's going on. Uh, the thing about NHL is it played through the Olympics because it was making up time. They were, the athletes from the NHL were not allowed to go to the Beijing Games. Uh, they made up a lot of the games that were canceled due to their COVID issues earlier on this year. And things are kind of shaking out, I think, how we all expected. you got the Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning sitting atop the East. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes and the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Metropolitan Division. The Colorado Avalanche are good friend Eric. If you He's listening. I know he's very happy about the fact that the Avs are on top of the Central Division. And then the Calgary Flames outdueling the Vegas Golden Knights right now in the Pacific Division. My beloved Seattle Kraken just are awful, but that's okay. They're an expansion franchise. And also, uh, Arizona, the Coyotes, they've been playing for three years in a 5,000-seat stadium. They're going to be taking the ASU uh, new hockey arena and make them that their home while they try and figure out a permanent home. That's not a good sign for an MLS, uh, not an MLS, NHL franchise. No, uh, it's not. Are you a Bruins fan? Yeah. You? Okay. Boston. So I assume you know the big Bruins news in the last week or two. I do not. Who? So uh, 15-year Bruins goalkeeper Tuka Rask ah. is, is retiring. Yes. 
and he's a great, great name. Tuka Rask, that's a oh, great name. Yeah, and his his helmet is a yeah. is a beautiful, beautiful sight. But mm-hmm. yeah, Rask has been Rask has been there since 2007. Um, yeah, so he's he's been a stalwart for for the Bruins. Um, great career, and uh, I know myself and and many other Bruins fans are really gonna miss him. Yeah, no, that's the thing. So uh, we'll keep you updated on anything else as we go along here on the Saturday show. Let's also take a minute here and talk a little bit about some college basketball. Uh, big day ahead for college hoops. And what I mean by that is you have all of the local teams, by my knowledge, according to my knowledge, are playing today. I, I look at this, though. BYU has a make-or-break game tonight. They're at St. Mary's. And if BYU wants to feel really confident come Selection Sunday – they need a win tonight. Uh, I saw some reports out there that uh, Fusini Triore, who is the freshman big man who got had an injured groin, there was question marks if he was going to be able to play. I'm seeing reports start to emerge that he is expected to give it a go tonight. That would give BYU a big opportunity to get a big win in Moraga. I, I, I hate saying this, but if BYU doesn't win tonight, I think they're on the outside looking in when it comes to the NCAA tournament, which would be actually a really, really big disappointment considering how good this season started for the Cougars. Yeah, um, to your point with Foose, uh, yeah, he's been great this year, and they'll really need him tonight. Winning St. Mary's is, is definitely tough. Um, it's not easy. Um, it's it. It's been a roller coaster year for for BYU hoops. It's been it's been strange. I think that's a good word. It's been a strange, yeah, <laughs> yeah strange, strange yeah. season. Um, but I just, I mean, it. I think it's all about just which BYU team comes out tonight. You know, if it's, you know, if it's how they played, you know, a couple weeks ago, yeah. If it's how they played the last couple of games, because they've won now what three in a row, four in a row, something like that. You talking about BYU? Yeah, they've won two in a row after their four-game losing streak. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so. we'll we'll see what happens. Like I said, I think it's a big deal whether we see Foose play or not. Um, but we will see what happens. Yep. Uh, other teams in action today. Utah will be looking to make it a win streak. They uh, beat Stanford the other night. They're at Cal today. I've got no reason to think that Utah can't win that game. That'll be at 4 o'clock on the Pac-12 networks. Utah State has a huge game in Boise. Scotty G will be on the call. You'll hear that game here on the Zone Sports Network beginning at 3.30, 4 o'clock tip. Uh, they're taking on Boise State. Boise State is one of the better teams in the Mountain West. They're on their way to the NCAA tournament. Utah State, kind of similar to what we talked about BYU. Yeah, Utah State needs to bounce back here. Really? topsy-turvy season some some tough losses recently uh the nevada loss actually produced that game that was a stunner uh but yeah they they need to get a win to be a huge win at boise state and then we have a battle for the old hammer between utah valley and dixie state will be taking place in st george tonight and then in the big sky you've got northern colorado at weber state montana state uh one of the league leaders in the big sky at southern utah all those teams including weber state are in the mix uh atop the big sky conference uh, obviously wins would go a long way for all, both Weber State and Southern Utah. And then BYU St. Mary's, if you want to watch it tonight, 8 p.m. tip tonight, ESPN2 there in Moraga, California. All right, I also wanted to talk for a minute. I actually meant to get to this in technical fouls. Flipping over from college basketball to college football. We learned yesterday the college football playoff committee announcing they are going to stick with the four-team alignment at least through 2026. Let me start by saying this. You guys are all idiots. 
um, speaking to the college football playoff executive committee, the commissioners and Notre Dame, a Notre Dame's AD, uh, Jack Swarbrick, they sit on that group that makes this decision. The other commissioners of the 11 FBS conferences also sit on this group. They are handing back millions, hundreds of millions of dollars by not going about expanding this. I cannot believe they cannot get on the same page. But at the same time, this is college football and nothing makes sense with this sport. It's so frustrating. It, I I saw that and I was just like, scream! Like, <laughs> yeah, I was I was frustrated. Well, and that's the thing about this is you you're looking at uh, a situation where I I saw estimates of a five hundred million dollar increase in the money they could make Jeez. if they were to move forward and expand the playoff as soon as possible. That was the report. I think I said twenty twenty four probably was the earliest they'd be able to do it. They're going to be sitting through twenty twenty six, handing that money just right back to TV networks and the like. And we don't even know at that point if this will happen, considering they cannot get on the same page. Also, one other thing, the Pac-12, George Klyovkov, he came on these airwaves and said he was a proponent for expansion of the playoff. He's been on our show. He was on DJ and PK. We had him for 40-plus minutes. Comes out last night that the Alliance, so uh, the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12, who essentially created this little alliance to help each other's self-interest out, uh, there was an 8-3 to vote that nixed the opportunity to expand the playoff. It was reported last night that this happened. The three conferences that voted against it, the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12. Now, George Klyovkov, and this comes from John Wilner, uh, obviously, who works for the Pac-12 hotline in the Bay Area, uh, syndicated on KSL.com, a bunch of other places, does a great job with this. This is the quote from George Klyovkov on the reveal of the CFP details since the 8-3 vote. Quote, I am disheartened that the trust built in the CFP room is being injured by the disclosure of an incomplete and therefore inaccurate information about the voting and issues that kept the CFP group from agreeing on expansion. All right, Commissioner, what do you got for us? Explain it. Lay it out there. Let us know. But that's all he's got. That's all he's put out so far. It's the college football committee. They don't have to explain anything to anyone. But, okay, you got caught with your hand in the cookie jar. You voted no, I, against I, I this. I said that sarcastic. Yeah, okay. I said that sarcastically. Yeah, but you got your hand caught in the cookie jar because you voted against it. It got revealed, and all of a sudden, everything you've said, it looks like double talk. You look like any other politician out there, it feels like. Say one thing, do something else. Like, this whole deal with the college football playoff committee and them nixing an opportunity to put hundreds of millions of dollars into their own pockets, the inability of anybody to act in the interest of the sport as a whole versus them their, themselves, their own individual interests and their conference interests, it baffles me. I cannot believe that this sport succeeds in spite of itself. Well, that's the interesting thing there is that take away them actually caring about the sport itself and the teams and the opportunities – even if it was just this, you know, kind of crappy, just do it for the money. Yeah. Why wouldn't you just do it for the money? Like, even if your motivation's wrong, like, it would. They all talk about wanting to be about yeah, the money. I just, yeah. I don't. Nothing about this decision makes sense aside from tradition. Um, like, I, I don't know. Tradition. I don't, I yeah. don't know. Tradition. The tradition of college football is the fact that it doesn't ever work together for the better of the sport. As I said, this sport succeeds in spite of itself. It's the second most popular sport in our country. I truly believe that. The NFL is number one. I'd say college football is number two. Football, we can't not get enough football as an American society. And 
I love college football. It, trust me, it, it is the sport du jour it, in my heart and soul. It's the sport I grew up with. It's the sport I cheer most for. I have got enough college football teams gear at my house that my wife legitimately has threatened at times in our marriage to throw it away because I don't wear it all. That's how much this sport means to me. And the fact that the people that run this sport cannot get on the same page and work in the interest of the sport as a whole, cannot get beyond themselves to understand, okay, this is good for our sport, baffles me. But at the same time, not having a central authority group when it comes to college football also hurts this sport. Write them in a letter, Jake. You tell them. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> It's I, I'm. Well, they probably have like ten secretaries that that letter goes through. <laughs> uh, trust and by me, by goes through I mean it goes to well, the first one. They let me away. let me also point out one thing about this. I've worked with DJ and PK for a long time. I get a lot of guests on our show. I, I've gotten a lot of people, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. I reached out for a college football commissioner recently to get him on the show. We had George Klyovkov on. I, I pointed out the fact that we've had Mike Oresko from the AAC. We've had a lot of college football commissioners on DJ and PK. Can I get a response from this conference about saying yes or no? I can't. They just don't even pay attention to me. Because they know it would work against their self I don't know. So they just ignore you. I don't know. It, it baffles me. Ignoring the, you is easier than answering a hard question. I guess. I, I prefer no rather than nothing, than crickets. But that's just me. I just This sport continually, continually, continually baffles me and succeeds in spite of itself, and we love it for all of the just glory of the carnage that it is. But at the same time, come on now. Let's understand that you can help yourselves. Help us help you. There we go. That's what I wanted to get to. Help us help you. Put it on a bumper sticker. Maybe That's, so. that's like my line of the day. I need to stop. <laughs> Maybe I should stop saying that. I don't know. I just... <sighs> It means a lot to me, this sport. It means a lot to me, and that's why I'm so passionate about it. But Love I the sport, guys. not the system. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. All right, coming up next, uh, we'll flip back over to the NBA and the Utah Jazz. Andy Bailey from Bleach Report will carve out some time to join us. Very, very excited to have him on the Saturday show. That's coming up next right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. Let's go live. We talk Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. Weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show. Jake Hatch with you guys on the Saturday morning. Pleased to welcome in now a good friend of the station. He's been a regular on DJ and PK as well as Hands and Scotty. But ple- uh, pleased to bring him on to the Saturday show. He is Andy Bailey from Bleach Report covering all things NBA. Andy, thanks for taking some time. How are you? Pretty good. Thanks for having me, Jake. Uh, let's start here. Uh, are you a big fan of NBA All-Star Weekend? Um, yeah, I... I... <laughs> Every year I tune in. I've always been a fan, especially of the Saturday night stuff. I know that the dunk contest has given us some duds in the last, I don't know, handful of years. Um, but there's also the highlights, like the Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine one from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm kind of a sucker. I'll say this. I'm a sucker for the stuff on Saturday. The rest of it I'm kind of meh on. So um, 
that's a ringing endorsement, I'm sure. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing about this. I, I'm with you. I am a child. I think you and I are similar in age. I'm a child of the 90s and early 2000s when the dunk contest was in its heyday. Uh, it sucked me yep. in to be like a lifelong fan of NBA All-Star Weekend, regardless if it is a dud, especially in the dunk contest. But I felt like last night I started I, I refused to watch the celebrity game. I saw some of the highlights on Twitter, but then I saw some tweets about what they were doing with the Rising Stars Challenge, and I, I'd missed this format change where they're essentially making like a bracket format. I found myself a little more intrigued with that. I'm actually okay with the NBA trying new things. I thought it was way better. Um I also I I can't bring myself to watch the celebrity game, but I knew about the format change. Um, so I was intrigued by the rising stars thing. And the, the very first thing I said, my wife was out at dinner with her family. And when she came back, I said, this is a lot better, um, than it's been in, in recent years. And I think the target score alone is just really intriguing to me. Um, you know, I know, I think it's the basketball tournament or, or one of those other, you know, basketball endeavors uses the Elam ending yeah. regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it's a drastic change, so I can't imagine the NBA would ever do it for more than the All-Star game, which is what they use it in now. But I think it adds a layer of excitement to every single game that has it uh, that I've seen so far. Um, and I'm not tuned into a ton of Elam ending games, so I, I haven't seen blowouts. I would assume that they're, they feel about the same as the blowout does now. Um, but having that target score to get to is really interesting to me. The way that the defense ratcheted up at the end of those few games last night in the Rising Stars thing was really fun. Um, and I thought, well, if they if they get serious about a target score in an exhibition game, I can't imagine what they would do in a real game. It, so it, that, that yeah. part of it was awesome to me, for sure. I, I think the, that change was great. Well, I think, yeah, I'm with you. It actually, I think it would raise the intensity in some of these regular season games where we feel like both teams are just playing out the string. I think it would just change mm-hmm. the whole idea. But I'm with you. It's such a radical change. I very highly doubt that the NBA, at least in our lifetime, I feel like, would would change to that format. But I, I also wanted to talk to you about the All-Star game itself. Uh, we're a year away from it coming to Salt Lake City for the second time. Uh, I think all of us here along the Wasatch Front are very, very excited to have the NBA's biggest stars here in town. But does the All-Star game, in your mind, need to have a new way of going about picking the starters in particular, but maybe just the overall lineup of the guys playing in this game? Because I think I look at the Andrew Wiggins thing this year, I think that's a farce. That was terrible. Um, and I I would say I get mildly bent out of shape by at least one or two selections every year and just think that's that's not who should be there. Um, but the Andrew Wiggins one was particularly egregious. And it's, it's not that Andrew Wiggins is bad this yeah. season. And I think he had a case, like a fringe all-star case. Um, you know, if he had been the 12th guy on the team, I probably wouldn't have been too upset about it. But the fact that a K-pop star got involved um, and, and essentially drove this guy to a starting spot, um, it, it almost kind of makes a mockery of the all-star starting lineup in general. And that, that comes off as very mean toward Andrew Wiggins. Um, but he's simply not one of the five best players in the Western Conference. And there's, there's you know legacy conversations and all the debates we have about where certain people are in all-time history and stuff like that, all-star selections, all-star starters, that stuff gets brought up. Um, and if we're going to have to kind of put asterisks on people that were selected in this fan vote era, um, I think that 
taint some of those discussions to a degree. So long, long-winded way of saying, yeah, I think they probably do need to look at the way that they select all-stars. Um, this is another thing I don't think the NBA would do. Right? They probably wouldn't cut out the fan vote entirely. But maybe you just make it a smaller percentage of the vote. I think you got to find some way to get some objective criteria in there because even if you switch it to um, media, there's there's subjectivity there too. We've seen some of the results of player votes on stuff, and, mm-hmm. and that would be a disaster if that was the driving <laughs> force. Um, so yeah, I think they need to tweak it to some degree. And and you know, again, it's not like the end of the world that Andrew Wiggins is an All Star starter, but objectively, he's just not one of the five best players in the West. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think that there needs to be some reckoning with how they go about it. But they, like I said, it might be more pie in the sky stuff from both you and I on that front. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Utah Jazz here. Uh, they had a six game homestand, six uh, game win streak homestand, and then they went to LA. It felt like they were in control of that game, and then with six minutes to go, it all fell apart. And I think the big debate here in Utah after that loss to the Lakers going into the All-Star break is, was the six-game win streak fool's gold, and what happened against L.A. more of reality? Where do you stand? I don't I don't think any win streak from Utah is fool's gold. I'll start there. Um, th- that team is built to win regular season games and they have for years and they're going to continue to do that after the all-star break. Um, You know, when they had that off month in January where everybody was acting like the sky was falling in national media on the jazz, they were missing either Gobert or Mitchell for most of those games. And when they have those two guys on the floor, they still have the point differential of a juggernaut. So I, you know, I think anytime they go on a run and I would expect another one probably between now and the end of the season, that's just that's almost par for the course for this group now. Um, they are a regular season juggernaut as, as long as they're healthy. I'll put that qualifier on it. Um, having said that, I, I think you saw in the Lakers game and a, a little story on my night of NBA watching that night. I, I thought that game was over, um, and I saw that the the Nuggets were close. I think it was the Warriors they were playing that night, so mm-hmm. I switched over. And the next time I checked the jazz score and saw that they lost i was stunned i just i couldn't believe that they had given up that lead to a sub 500 team that's just had all kinds of problems all season so i dug into it a little bit um watched the last few minutes that i missed live and it's it's almost like deja vu with the clippers series when they put lebron at the five um i I think rudy gobert is unfairly maligned with what happens when when teams go to those lineups but I think now is the time for Quinn Snyder to try countering with his own small ball five. And I know that the, you know, the numbers aren't great if, if Rudy, go, Rudy Gay is at the five. Um, I don't know how much they've tried Eric Pascal there. But now is the time to try that. I think you've proven all you can prove in the regular season. Um, if, if, team, if the book is out on the Jazz and teams know if we go small, um, they don't have enough perimeter defenders to match us, that's going to be a problem in the playoffs. So they need to figure out now in the next, you know, couple months or however much longer the season is, which one of those guys can play some small ball five and so they can survive stretches like that. Or the other end of this, and I think this is the fair criticism of Gobert, when other teams go small, he's he's got to dominate inside. And I don't think that necessarily means Patrick Ewing post moves or anything like that. Um, but his teammates need to look for him on the rolls. He needs to gobble up every offensive rebound. Um, 
if, if they're going to continue to play big when other teams go small, he has to punish them in some way. I think I think the most likely way is probably offensive rebounding. Um, he, he's got to grab every single miss the Jazz have, or at least have that goal in his mind. And then they'll think, well, I, I guess we can't play small against these guys because he's just going to eat us up around the rim. 24 games, if I'm not mistaken, remaining in the regular season for the Jazz once they get back at it next Friday. And we had David Locke on with DJ and PK yesterday, and he says that everything he thinks, it's either the Mavericks or the Nuggets for the Jazz in the first round of the playoffs. He says everything to him screams one of those two teams. Uh, he thinks that the Mavericks, uh, in that regard, the Jazz have, I believe, three games remaining against Dallas in the regular season, so they'll get a good look at Dallas and lead up to the playoffs. If you were to pick one of those two teams for the Jazz to square off against in the first round, which would you opt for? I think it depends on which version of the Nuggets you get. Um, it seems like Jamal Murray is close to coming back, and if he is ratcheted up to, like, 95% of his pre-injury self, um, I would probably rather see the Mavericks. Um, it sounds like there's even a chance that Denver might get Michael Porter Jr. back too. And so if they have both of those guys by the time the playoffs start, um, I think that's sort of a stealth title contender. So as far as first-round matchups, I'd probably want the Mavericks. They, I think they intentionally took a little bit of a half-step back this season with the Porzingis trade to sort of clear their books a little bit. I know the money they had come back was equal to Porzingis's, but it'll be easier to trade in the future because it's two smaller contracts instead of a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they made a conscious decision, yeah, we might be a little bit worse this season, but it'll help us for, in terms of flexibility going forward. Now, having said that, the few games they've played since the Porzingis trade, Luka Doncic just looks ridiculous, and I don't think there's anybody on Utah's roster that can give him a ton of problems. Um, you know, Royce O'Neal is a real solid perimeter defender, but I, Luca's playing basketball games like he's Neo in the Matrix right now or something. Um, he just gets whatever he wants, uh, whether it's scoring, distribution, whatever, he's just dominating. And so that's a tough perimeter matchup. But, like again, like I said, if, if the Nuggets have those other two guys back, I think I would probably rather see the Mavericks. You just say, you know, Luka's going to get his. We'll hold the other guys down as much as we can, and, and that should be enough to prevail. You mentioned the fact you want to see the Utah Jazz figure out what they're going to do to counter those small ball lineups. And Rudy Gay's been out. They're trying to get his knee right, it sounds like, just make sure he's ready to go for the playoffs. Do you feel like uh, he is the answer for that small ball five for the Jazz, or should they look at somebody like an Eric Paschal, who's more of kind of, it seems like an energy guy, versus maybe the proven vet that a guy like Rudy Gay is? If I had to pick one right now, I'd, I'd probably go Pascal, and it's exactly what you just said. I think he brings a little bit more energy, uh, particularly on, on defense. I think I'd trust him on more switches than I'd trust Rudy Gay. Um, and I don't, you know, he hasn't shown a ton of this, but I, I do feel like there's a little bit of playmaking in him that hasn't maybe been unlocked, and so maybe you have some playmaking five stuff there. Um, but... <laughs> Rudy Gay with his ability to space the floor and all the experience that he's had. And I think he's bigger than people realize, so he could he could body up on, um, you know, opposing fives if, if teams want to put a smaller five out there. Mm-hmm. So there's – I think there are pros and cons with both of them. Um, but if I had to pick one right now, I and I, I think, again, I think I said this earlier, but try both of those guys <laughs> between now and the end of the season. See which one you think works better. 
Uh, and it's not something that has to be done for extended minutes. I think even in the playoff series where teams go small, you're probably going to play Goody Gobert 30 to 35 minutes a game. Um, so you just need a few minutes of that small ball lineup. Um, so, again, now is the time to experiment. I, I think I'd probably go with Pascal in terms of his energy. Um, and just, just for now, just see which one you like better because it's going to happen in the playoffs. There are plenty of teams in the West that have the versatility to do that. Um, and, and now that they've seen it from the Clippers in that series last year and they've seen it in a couple games here in the regular season, teams are going to try it for sure. All right, Andy, we'll get you out here on this. Who is the NBA All-Star Game MVP tomorrow night? Oh, the All-Star Game MVP. Um I'm going to say Andrew Wiggins. How about that? All right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. That would be like the best, like almost like just bleep you moment. It would be pretty funny. Let's, let's say that he goes like eight for 10 from three, something like that. That would be awesome. All right, Andy. Well, thanks again for taking some time. Uh, Enjoy a little bit of the downtime. Hopefully you're getting here with the all-star break like the rest of us. And of course, we'll have you back on air soon. I'm sure. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. There you go. Andy Bailey, Bleach Report, does a great job covering the NBA at large. Uh, by the way, his Twitter feed is elite. He does a great job nightly with all his takes. His com- player comparisons, the blind player comparisons, are awesome that Andy does. He looks at the statistics, lays them out. Player, who would you take, player A or player B? And most people pick the player that they, if they knew the names, they wouldn't have picked. It's really, really cool how he does it. That's fun. Yeah. That's super fun. And he does a great job. And like I said, he's a regular on DJ and PK, also regular on Hands and Scotty. So a huge thank you to him for taking some time. Alright, coming up next, uh, we will round out today's show with some final thoughts as we go out the door here. You're tuned in to the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM and the Zone Sports Network. The weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Appreciate you guys taking the time to join us. Um, don't mind me over here. I'm just a giddy uh, Tottenham Hotspur fan who's watching Tottenham take it to Man City right now. Anyways, uh, that's kind of fun. But, you know, good times. All right. Uh, as we go out the door here, I want to get some of the feedback we had on today's show. Let's start off with this. Yes, our good friend Clinto Pete on Twitter uh, sent in a tweet earlier. I believe it's... Uh, What's that one? It's called The Internship was the movie that Owen Wilson and um, who's this actor? I can't remember his name. Maybe, Jeff, you can see. It's he does Owen Wilson movies all the time. Is that Vince Vaughn? Vince Vaughn, duh. I'm like, no, it's, I can't really yeah, see. But it's Vince it Vaughn. Like so Vaughn. I think it's from The Internship. It says, he's back. And he's celebrating the fact that the Saturday show is back. So, Clint, thank you for your continued support of the podcast. It's a ton of fun to uh, show, actually, not the podcast. I just I will have it in podcast form for you guys a little bit later on. It's always fun to be doing this show. People ask me all the time, like, why do you do it? I'm like, because I love doing it. It's just fun. So Saturday show is fun. Like, it's we still talk sports and we still get people on and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's chill. It's a little more freewheeling. Yeah. Free wheeling, I guess what I should say. I mean, for me, not that I'm overly anxious to do this, but it's the only time that I get to 
talk on the air. Like oh, the, the I go. get one or two words sometimes during pre or post game for jazz, which is fine because especially for a jazz game, I'm like, I don't want to say anything that people are going to criticize me for it. So, uh, but I don't know. All right, our good friend Ryan Hancock weighing in. I think based on the conversation we had about the college football playoff, he says so much for an improvement over Larry Scott talking about George Klyovkov. This guy is just as dumb. Pac-12 is not leaving the P5 basement anytime soon. Another comment from George Klyovkov saying, well, you, you don't understand why I didn't vote against it. Well, please feel free to explain, George. I'm just saying, like, you're a well-spoken guy. you got to like good ideas, but for you to say one thing and tweet as such on social media and then all of a sudden it comes out that you just followed the company line with that alliance and voted against it, feel free to explain. We'd love nothing more than for you to have your say on it. All right, and one other thing here from our good friend Osteomath uh, saying, what a concept. Use the regular season to develop players and try different lineups that you are ready when rotations for the playoffs come and not repeat the past. You might try it, Quinn Snyder. And he tagged me and, and Andy Bailey in it based on our conversation in the last segment. Hey, you got 24 games to go. Give it a shot. Might as well. See what you got. Like, and the thing about this is everything the Jazz have done this season with these veteran players, in the case of a guy like Mike Conley, uh, in this case Rudy Gay right now with the ongoing uh, him being out due to his knee, they just want to make sure that these guys are 100% healthy going into the playoffs. I think a lot of us can point to what happened last year, the fact that Mike Conley was out with a hamstring injury and Donovan Mitchell was playing on one foot, essentially. And Donovan Mitchell still put up, what was it, 39 39- 39-9-9 and nine in that elimination game, they were agonizingly close, it felt like. But at the same time, it you lost. Well, to the point of Donovan Mitchell, we've seen he can put the team on his back and they still lose. Like, he can go off and they still lose. And so getting, like you said, those rotations and getting everybody else's level up, even just a couple percentage points could be all the difference. Yeah, um, our good friend uh, Wild Turkey Fart Blunt at VWAG23 sentences, it's the shake and bake uh, from Talladega Nights. It's always, always a good thing to go out on. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. For Jeff, I'm Jake. A big thank you for all of your support of the podcast uh, podcast of this show. Man, I am all over the place. Thank you for listening to the show, and also make sure you check out the podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. We've moved over to a new platform. Uh, I don't believe the Saturday show had the same issues that DJ and PK and Hans and Scotty have had with our podcast feeds, but you can just search out the Saturday show on KSL Sports. It'll be there for you guys, all the interviews, full hours of the show. Love when you guys listen to that if you didn't get a chance to catch the show live. We'll be back next Saturday with another live show from 10 to noon. A reminder for you guys that today's show has been brought to you in part by our friends at Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. All right, that'll do it. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM. 1280 AM and the Zone Sports Network. See ya.